0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the week five college football betting review and weekday football betting preview. I'm stuck in with me as always is Colin Wilson. Look, your hogs almost got a win. Against a pretty good team, that's progress.
1: Yeah, I mean, they always play them close. I mean, I'm just glad the first half covered because there was a moment there where Starkle threw an INT down. At oh, the my God, Lider. I it was just losing it. I expected I, a 90-yard touchdown the other way right after. You, you could just hear the collective and in, in, in Jerry world down there, just the, the sigh of the Razorback Nation. Oh. So we'll see where we go from here with Ben Hicks. Yep. Um. We'll get to Razorbacks eventually, but just didn't want
0: to throw that out there. They did get the cover for us. We're gonna go through what we learned Saturday. Uh, we'll obviously also get to your voicemails. Uh, we have about four minutes to you guys uh, bitching about Friday night. You have to start calling about Saturday night. More, more, more calls. I need more calls about our bad calls on on Saturday. Like I need calls about betting Nebraska. I need calls about. You know, fading Auburn again because you know we get the week. The the weekday calls are always always get the most voicemails because everyone betting these these singular solo games. But then we face the music on Saturday in our live show that we do at ten thirty every Saturday. So then rehashing them here, which we're glad to do. But I I like to face the music for Saturday, and we'll get to our worst calls on Saturday. We'll preview Monday night football as well as the two games on Thursday night in college football. Uh, you know, we're going to need you, NFL. The, the Thursday night games uh, look pretty ugly on the surface. I'll also ask Colin if there's any games that people should jump on now, uh, if he anticipates any moves or anything he likes initially. Uh, but before we get to Saturday and college football, NFL – Today, I had a big day. I went 8-3, 8-2, taking up for Saturday. It felt like just like last weekend. And I was trying to get another 10-0 and day, but I came up just short. You know, there was a, a bunch of things that I did learn. The New England defense and the Buffalo defense were excellent today. That I don't understand how, how you don't bet the New England under still. They're still not adjusted all the way. Mm-hmm. Their offense is just not the same. Their defense is so good. Uh, they finally allowed a touchdown, and it took a fourth-and-goal reach by Josh Allen uh, I'll say my Ravens were a mess today and it's it's really their defense it's all on their defense you know the, the Browns defense was playing really soft and didn't allow anything deep but the, the Ravens it's more miscommunication issues in the back end no Jimmy Smith still Tavon Young is out they can't blitz because of it they you know they they're not able to they're not as flexible in what they're able to do from a scheme perspective and their front seven isn't as good the Browns put up a 40 burger in Baltimore. Um, Gardner Minshew magic continues as he leads the game-winning drive against the lowly Broncos who lose another game at the Bell. The Bears beat the Vikings without Trubisky. As soon as Trubisky went down, you figured, all right, let's see what Chase Daniel has. And Chase Daniel actually came in and looked pretty good. The Vikings offense, man. I mean, can they, they have two of the best receivers in the NFL. Can they try to use them sometimes? I know they want to run the ball, but man, Sometimes that offense looks like a, my offense in middle school. It just power I left, power I right, quick you know, screen passes and those. I, I, I tweeted it today. Thielen and Diggs are just rotting, rotting. And speaking of rotting, the Falcons lose to another AFC team, and I can't imagine Dan Quinn has much time left down in Atlanta. And uh, Jameis gets it done in LA. So there's a, oh, there's some surprises because we finally had some dogs went outright, and the Dolphins didn't cover again. Get yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the Falcons are soft as always. That's a Jersey soft in there. Uh, I was really, I mean, the Bills, I feel bad for the Bills fans. I'll say Bills and Lions collectively. This happens with college too. When somebody has analysis that says, well, they haven't played anybody. That doesn't mean that the team is bad. It's just that we don't know what they are. Like Minnesota football, I don't really know who they are right? Barely get by Georgia Southern, beat Fresno State, beat South Dakota. I don't know who Minnesota is. You beat Purdue without Rondell Moore and sendelar I don't know who you are. And so I don't think that's a good reason to necessarily fade a team. It's just a reason you'd have to do a little bit further inspection.
0: Yeah. And it could also mean that the market is just overvaluing this team and mm-hmm. you know, you're know, you trying to take a stab, but yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And by the way, my favorite part about your analysis there of Sunday NFL is you turned it right in to college football uh, injury news from Saturday just immediately flipped it on its head. Um, So we, we can, we can start there. I mean, do we, do we have updates on Sindelar and more? Because I was arguing with a friend about this. They already lost two of their best defenders. They are, they don't have a running game. They don't have an offensive line. If they lose more in Sindelar, tell me how this isn't one of the worst Power 5 teams in the country.
1: I can tell you that from the way that the line reacted today, so I, I wrote a piece up. It'll be out on the Action Network here. It includes a tweet of how Rondell Moore was actually injured, and it's ugly. It looks bad enough for him to yeah. be out. I mean, it could be a season-ending type thing. But from the reaction from the point spread today, I tried to very quietly denote in today's college football uh, projected point spreads, there's an injury section always at the bottom. You'll want to just give that a read on Sundays, not just for the projections and for the openers in college football, for those of you that like to hit them with me, but the injury section is really important because I listed both on separate bullet points, Rondell Moore and Elijah Sindelar, because I knew that that point spread today with Penn State and James Franklin was going to take off. No matter what circus sports put out there, the number was going to take off. And if I could have transfer portaled myself, to the circuit desk. I would have had a couple dimes going over the counter too. They opened it up 16 and a half. That number in circuit Sports as we record on Sunday night is 25 and a half. The thing has moved 9 points in, a, in less than 9 hours. So they opened it up a less than 17. They opened it up less than 17. The game should wow. be the game should be 17 with with, with more with and Cindelar. With and more, but they're yeah. not they're not there and then you do some I further I think without those two, I don't know what it is. It's just it's a, I, it's not Rutgers bad, but it's not far from there. And the, and Penn State's Penn State's defense havoc havoc wise I I think top four top five like their yeah, front seven is going to yeah, dominate that offensive line kill them so, yeah, yeah so I, I told I told a couple of Vegas friends they're like you know uh, how far should we take it up to I said hit it till it gets to twenty seven hit it till it get, I mean I Purdue has nothing absolutely nothing
0: and yeah and by the way just to wrap up the NFL before we head into Monday Night Football. Favorites are now twenty four thirty seven and one against the spread on the season. So dogs are killing it. I tend to be a dog player in the NFL, which is probably why I'm almost going ten and zero every week. That'll even out some. Uh, but you know, it was another good good day for um, underdogs here against the
1: spread. Can we say one more thing? Uh, so yeah. for the Thursday night game is it's a it's a good buy low sell high opportunity with the Rams going up to play the Seahawks. Correct.
0: Yeah, I mean the thing is is that with a with a game like that in my opinion, it's going to come down a lot of it it's going to come down to matchups because and little little tiny things because it's a divisional game. So those two teams are really familiar with each other, you know, and so I don't think like the Thursday night I think it actually could be a pretty good game. You know, a lot of times when you get these sloppy these sloppy games on Thursday night if there's no no familiarity or these teams are really far apart from a talent perspective, but, you know, these teams know each other really well, know the personnel. It's really going to come down to Ken – and this is my cap today on the Tampa game, and I'm just glad that Bowles followed through. You know, he knew that with Goff was going to get his against that terrible Tampa secondary. But he knew that if you, if you pressure Goff, he's, he's going to turn the ball over, it's going to throw off the timing, and he turned it over, I think, four times. He still threw for 500 yards, but he turned it over four or five times. Mm -hmm. which led to a bunch of Tampa Bay points. So it's going to come down to whether or not I, myself, or anyone out there can think that Seattle can consistently generate pressure um, on golf. And, you know, it was interesting to see how poorly the Rams defense played today. I mean, so I'll have to look into that. I mean, a lot of it was turnovers. so maybe it wasn't as bad. I mean, I was watching the game from afar. I had to dig into it. I mean, Jameis threw for 404 touchdowns. Godwin went nuts. The Rams' run defense was okay, but I'll have to see what happened with that secondary. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting game. It it, it might be a game that's probably lined correctly. The same thing with, you know, we we can jump into Monday Night Football before we go really into college. The Monday Night Football game, to me, this is the definition, the definition of a stay-away game to me. I make this game exact – I have these two teams rated exactly even. And the the line is three. You know, if you want to say Pitt has a home field worth more than three – I mean, look, I, it doesn't matter. This line's right around three, dropped from mm-hmm. three and a half. At four, I would have maybe looked at Cincy it, it, in a force world. I, I I want no part of this. It's two desperate 0-3 teams in the same division. It really, you know what it could come down to is it could come down to the you know, you have two great defensive lines, questionable secondaries. Cincy doesn't have a great offensive line. And the Steelers do, still do. So maybe the Steelers can prevent Atkins and company from making a few less plays. Uh, the Bengals kept it. This game should be messy. Um, you know, it's just two desperate 0-3 teams going nowhere with lots of questions that I rate evenly in Pitt with a field goal spread for the home team. No thanks. You know, maybe if I uh, will look for something live, but this is a game that I want absolutely no part of, and I actually think it might be, you know, if you add up at the total, I would actually look at the over. No, nothing I'm rushing to bet.
1: Do you see anything on the Monday night game? No, nothing either. I, again, it's a live thing where you might want to get uh, a seven to pick size window. Uh, but you, that means that you have to have consistent offense. It was kind of like last week with the Redskins. Can you trust them to come all the way back? And they just let that one get away last week on a weeknight game. So yeah, there's going to be
0: turnovers probably in this game. Yeah. It's just a, a, a hard
1: game to cap. Yeah, completely. Unfortunately, we –
0: well, let me pull this up. I know this isn't a baseball pod. Luckily, the fucking Cardinals ended up – my futures are the Cardinals and the the Nats. I also had the Indians from way back, but I I knew that they were dead. I didn't even care that they didn't make it. But my nightmaric scenario was the Cardinals not wrapping up the division, Mm. getting swept at home, and then having to play the Nationals. So instead of having potential two of my teams in the playoff, I could have had them facing off in the wild card game, which would have been awful. But the Rockies swept the Brewers, and uh, the Cardinals won. Brewers-Nats wild card is on Tuesday, and Rays-A's is on Wednesday. So I'm sure a lot of you are going to bet it, the Monday night game tomorrow. But from a value perspective, I wouldn't go near it. I would look at ActionWork.com and our action app and look for some props. You know, We have some of the best prop analysts in the entire industry, so... Uh, I'm sure we'll have some good stuff up on the props and we'll have a preview after the game if you want to check it out. And if anyone on our staff likes something, Uh, but as far as we're concerned, nothing on the Monday night game. Uh, Before we get into the college recap, uh, let's uh, listen to the voicemails here. All right, here we go. Bad beats, back doors and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You
2: have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. It's Hank from Boston. What in the f- happened last night, boys? I listen to the podcast every week. Me and my buddies. And for f- sakes, we took Maryland and Virginia Tech. Good way to start the week off, boys. Keep up the good work. Well, I got to hand it to you, James Franklin. You may not know how to manage a clock or win a Big game when it actually matters, but man, you will keep in Maryland with the passion of a hundred necrophiliacs. Hats off to you, you asshole! Hey, fellas, Boyd from San Diego, put my kid down, my two-year-old down, and you know look at the score. And I'm um, laying 18 with the Air Force up 41-10. Think it's okay? Come out to see. Uh, my Maryland uh, over 59 and a half, which would have told me Penn State would score 59, would have tripled my bet. So there's that. Flip to the other channel, See. Air Force, run it three times in the line, fourth and one, goes for it. One of the worst beats I've seen in a while. So um, anyway, what a great Friday night. Cheers, fellas. Yo, this is Dylan from Austin, Colin Stuckey. I don't know what happened to this old Virginia Tech. I don't even know how they used to be good. Frank Beamer, they need to just crown him king of the world, that he was half-ass decent for all those years. This is the most embarrassing team I've ever watched play football. They need to blow the program up just like Colin says with Arkansas. Any comments on the Hokies?
1: We said this in the summer, like Bud Foster going in for his early retirement or you know, announcing this would be his last season. Virginia Tech had an issue with ISO PPP on defense with explosive plays for a number of years, like three years in a row. There were stories that came out last year about Justin Fuentes and, and Foster not seeing eye-to-eye on a lot of things. And the fact that he stayed on was kind of shocking to me. And then I guess the decision was made that, you know, you need to retire. Uh, I got news for Justin Fuentes. The offense isn't much better. Uh, You know, Ryan Willis was horrible. I don't think Virginia Tech is a play on uh, for the rest of the season. You certainly can't trust the defense. I mean, everybody that's got their Friday night complaints. I mean, I understand Maryland was a call because of what I saw in the trenches and what the explosive plays that they put up so far. James Franklin and Mike Loxley hate each other. Don't get too far into that score. That score was all about two guys that hate each other. Now, as far as Virginia Tech goes, it was a bad number by me. It's been adjusted. Duke isn't as great as as you know as what they what they put up against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's just really bad. So uh, Duke's going to go up against Pitt this week. I already put a play in against Pitt. And as far as that Air Force San Jose State goes, that is one of the worst beats I've had in a long time. That was the worst beat I've had this year so far.
0: Yeah, and th- people, don't overreact to one singular game. The funny thing is like that there was a guy who was sending me hate emails and he was saying, yeah, why would you overreact to Penn State barely beating Pitt at home? Well, because it happened and I watched the game. And by the way, Pitt barely beat Delaware at home, right? So are we saying that Penn State would bear it? We should make the line, you know, the seven at Penn State against Delaware? No. Obviously, Penn State is a lot better than I thought. Maryland is worse. But if they lose 55 nothing, who cares? It's better in
1: a sense that they lost 55 nothing than losing by eight. In the last second, I'd like to do a shout out to the people that filled up my DMs or at least my message requests on Friday night because uh, at the time I was just over two with the Maryland and the uh, with the Maryland Virginia Tech loss. I I have a guy here. I'm staring at his DM. Uh, You stink. Your analysis stinks. Uh, I've been following you for a long time. I've got your record right here on paper. We have an app. Did you know that we have Mm -hmm. an app? He's we have trying an action. To track act. it on paper. Yeah, he's tra- he says I have a tally of all your records combined, all the weekend picks you've made. Now, what's funny is that this guy that's trolling me, who I've never answered to, never responded, he sent me a DM on December fourteenth, and he said North Texas plus two fifty is a lock. That's the day that they lost fifty two to thirteen to Utah State. Good call, guy. All right, let's get back. Tech fan.
2: We are a complete dumpster fire. Call out the fire trucks. There's dumpsters on fire everywhere around here tonight. Jesus Christ. It's Chris in Hoboken. I don't pay taxes to watch Air Force. Go for it on 4-1 on their own 25. Can the government one time do something positive for me? Dialing in from the great state of Kentucky this morning. Tired as shit. Didn't get any sleep last night. You want to know why? Because I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck glass there teaching at the air force academy that tells you you're supposed to punt the f-ing ball on your own 22. how are we betting on these teams god damn this is christian from tuscaloosa and uh yeah i just went that f-ing back door from old miss some bullshit um yeah i'm down like 10 years today but it's cool good uh kansas pick sucky uh
0: good kansas pick yeah that was <laughs> uh i had a a losing college week. The sad thing is, it's probably not my worst call of the week, <laughs> um, which we'll get to. But yeah, Carter Stanley, I can't figure out Kansas, man. Poor TCU. Those teams baffle me. Stanley was 12 of 29 for 84 yards. Puka, eight carries for 12 yards. The final yardage in that game, 625 for TCU, 159 for Kansas. Yards per play, 7.1 for TCU. Kansas, 3.4. It couldn't have been more of a fucking blowout. I, I think I watched one pl- – I was like 38 nothing in the first quarter, and I said, well,
1: don't have to pay and, attention to this game. Where was the Kansas team that went to Boston College, and where's the TCU team that just got smoked by SMU? It's, it was Yeah, and it was, the Kansas was, offense looked good against West Virginia, too. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Weird.
2: Western Michigan can take that victory cannon and shove it up their f***ing Kalamazoo f-ing.
1: Because uh, Kalamazoo, right.
0: is that a Western Michigan
1: reference Yeah, there? Yeah, we got backdoored really hard. So Central Michigan, West, Western Michigan, we, we hopped on to 17. The analysis on it was that Western Michigan and John Wasink was going to be able to throw over the top and hit Central Michigan all day. They were one of the worst teams in the nation, allowing plays longer than 20 yards uh, from scrimmage. And Western Michigan's one of the best at throwing it downfield. Central Michigan scored all 15 of their points in the fourth quarter. Levante Bellamy on the ground. Sky Moore through the air. Uh, uh, Western Michigan, 31-0. to zero. Three scores in the fourth quarter. to so lose by one, similar to the San Jose State, missing by one. I think my worst – I had some bad underbeats. I deserved
0: a losing weekend, and we'll recap our weekends here. But I had some bad underbeats, like Iowa putting in another touchdown to push that total. That stung. Um, Northern Illinois was getting dominated – they go for two. They join, They all of a sudden join this analytics revolution, and they go for two to cut it to six. Of course, they had to get it. I even had some six and a half on Vandy, and Vandy only wins by six. That was uh, brutal. I mean, the, the box score was actually pretty even in the end of the game. At the end of the game, should we address? I know we have to get the rest of the voiceover. Should we address this UMass? Akron game, which I am still there. Was all rumors about you know, they had 13 starters for UMass were out and they still beat Akron outright. I, I am still sick that that under didn't hit. Both of those teams come out in the first quarter, they're going for it on fourth down, like four uh-huh. and four, and they're scoring multiple pick sixes. And then it gets to uh, it gets it, it finishes at 66 points. And I lose money on a UMass game that I said
1: I wouldn't bet. But uh, any thoughts on – is Akron the worst team in the nation now? Well, not in our power ratings because you don't adjust somebody six. And unlike other power rating systems, I don't adjust teams by six to seven points because of a loss, even if you're an underdog. So, in the end, yeah, UMass is a better team. Beat them at home. Outplayed them that day. Without other uh, starters. But me, but my point
0: is, which I didn't even care about the UMass starters being out, is that UMass starters stink. So, like, how, how much of a difference could it be from, you know, the UMass – backup linebacker to the linebacker.
1: Yeah, and I think Cato Nelson got hurt too. I'm looking at four different people that attempted a pass in the box score. So, uh, you know, the the uh, they had a backup quarterback, Zach Gibson, come in and he had 16 attempts. So Cato Nelson did get hurt there. But, I mean, one thing that is verified is that there was tension between players and Walt Bell, the head coach, and it was because of how much he practiced them. That has been reported by some of the local beat reporters up there that they're, you know that Walt Bell was writing them pretty hard from a physical standpoint as to where Mark Whipple did not. Uh, and that's just a whole thing when you have a new coach come in he takes over a whole roster that's been used to a certain type of practice and a certain type of game week setup. And then you bring in a guy who's a first year head coach and he's just running them ragged on, you know, because I remember playing football, you know, it was always like Tuesday, Wednesday pads, Thursday half pads, Friday is just a walk through and then you have some coaches that are going to come in and make you go full pads every day. So you know, I I was really shocked by the result of this one because there was every indication that we had been given, you know, out there in the public and on the inside to us that this UMass team was going to give up. Yep. Um, All right. Let's get back here.
2: North Texas garbage fire dog. (laughs) Seth Latrell Mason fine decides to lose to Houston tonight. Holy (laughs) (laughs) I unload on these guys thinking, oh, this is an easy win. Don't worry about it. Go to my local sports book. North Texas, minus three. They hadn't changed the line from the De'Eric King news. I'm like, oh, this is f***ing great. Here we are, 13 and a half minutes in the fourth quarter left, North Texas 18, Houston 37. What the holy sh- is happening? This is absolutely ridiculous. Houston is playing out of their minds I have no idea what to do this is supposed to be one of the worst teams in the second half in the entire FPS so I think okay you know what's virtually a lock Uh, North Texas minus four second half how could that possibly go wrong incredible they have back-to-back touchdowns where they go for the two point conversion don't get it right now it's like 21 to 12 second half there's no way I'm covering this shit. I'm just absolutely at a loss for words. Please, please help me.
0: I was looking at this box score. I need to know how Texas lost by 20. They had more yards, no turnovers. What, what, what happened in this game and how do they I, win?
1: I figured that Houston's dead. All right, let it out. This is your rant of the week. I, listen, I'm the, I was hot pissed. Like, there was a, I went on an hour and a half break from Twitter. Like, I, I put the social media down. I'm like, this is too much. I'm already stressing about Oregon State. But this Houston, North Texas beat. All right, so the generation of what happened last week was, is I hit under 68 before the Deere King news broke because I had this game – Lined at 56 on the total. Houston 17 to 6 to going into halftime. North Texas looked terrible in the first half. Houston, 17 points. You know, Clayton Toons getting it, you know, they're going okay. Oh my god, uh, this and, game went over that. Oh my God. I didn't even notice. And, that and so 48 points. I I sat there and stared at the second half line, could have taken an over. Now, if you're gonna look at my record on Saturday, I went 10 and 10, but I had three different entries of the under: 68, 62, and 16 and a half. And we're sitting at, what, 23 points at halftime? 23 points at halftime. Let me fill everybody in about the second half drive log. Here we go. Ready? Touchdown, 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 punt, punt return TD, downs, punt, touchdown, touchdown. Insane. Absolutely insane. Goes over every single number, including 68. The second half of this game, I've never been so tilted because I looked at the second half line. I could have easily taken the over and hedged myself out of some of the three units that I had down, which there was plenty of money down, and I didn't do it. It wasn't offered live, and the goddamn game was on Facebook Live. I've had enough of this shit of games on Facebook Live, all right? I've only got so many screens, and I ain't about trying to get in and register my name and pay your little freaking $2.99 fee and have a feed that has pop-ups like I'm trying to steal pay-per-view back in the 90s. Quit making me go to Facebook Live to watch these goddamn games.
0: That's your uh, rant of the week. Speaking of that Oregon State game, uh, we cannot get both of our money line parlays um, <laughs> in the same week. It's insane. Um, I got Toledo to the window after a big struggle and crazy fumbles at the end, and they ended up, and then Oregon State, you know, I say, you know what? Fuck this under. Let's go. If, if Oregon State's coming back, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, if they come back and I push, because I got plus three. Didn't even get the plus three. To have it. I lost my under 56 in the game that was
1: 21-7 in the fourth quarter. So that was fun. Oregon State missed two field goals uh, in the first half. They had 501 total yards. They went nine of 13 on third down. They outgained Stanford 500 to 350 and lost. They led almost the entire game, got it in the fourth quarter, and just something mental is going on with this program. But Stanford was just, oh, my God. Even with Mills, they just overpowered them with some of these throws, these fades of the corner and just tip ball. Like, Oregon State, is, it's just in their head. Stanford allowed seven yards per play. Oregon State should have won
0: that game. All right, let's get into our weekend recap. Best call, worst call, bet, regret. I'll start here. Best call, I, mean, I mentioned Toledo, Northwestern.
1: Mm. Wow.
2: Pats, cats.
0: I mean, that was probably my easiest win uh, of the day. I mean, the under an oak state also, and then my biggest play, my favorite play, was the under in Washington state, which ended up getting there, but wasn't easy folks. But I'll say, I'll say, I'll say Northwestern against Wisconsin got a generous face mask call early when it looked like it could, out, could get out of hand, but that Northwestern team showed up as a big dog. They had some voodoo. They shut down Jonathan Taylor again, you know, as, as much as you can. It's, Northwestern is the only team that Jonathan Taylor apparently can't run the ball against. And you know, he had, I think under 80 yards in their last two meetings and he got to hundred, but you know, he needed 26 carries and he just got to 119. So Northwestern's defense played really well. The offense is still an absolute dumpster fire. Um, and they, they gave up two non offensive touchdowns to Wisconsin and got it dicey later, but Northwestern outgained gained Wisconsin in that game. And Wisconsin only had 240 yards. Northwestern, three yards per play, lost 24-15. So getting the 24-and-a-half and again the close 23, I'll say that as my best call. My worst call, I had many. You mentioned uh, Kansas. woo that was brutal. And we're not even talking about Friday night with, with Maryland. That was probably my worst call of the weekend. Vandy was bad luck. let we go through all my losses here? Buffalo, Miami, Ohio, another bad beat and under. you got to be kidding me. Miami, Ohio. They had two pick sixes, I believe. A touchdown on, after a, a roughing on a field goal. Miami Ohio won 34-20. They had two hundred and sixty yards of offense, three and a half yards per play. It just so many garbage points in that game. It was insanity. They were hitting fifty three yard field goals too. Charlotte is up there. I don't understand how they got trucked by FAU. I mean, they just looked. It was they were just playing terrible. Football Zero throughout. defense.
1: They gave up Zero six
0: hundred yards to FAU. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, and I could also say Miss State Bo Nix season in full effect.
2: Bo Nix season in full effect.
0: You know, Auburn trucked. Auburn cost me more money, but trust me, we will, we'll get it back. Nebraska, UNLV, I mean, look, Rodgers got benched for Oblad. He wasn't, he wasn't any better, and Wyoming just ran wild. Sean Chambers for Wyoming went 5 of 12 for 120 yards for Wyoming, and they win 53-17. Like, defend the fucking run. 40-mile-an-hour wins. You know what's coming on the Wiggins, the worst passing offense in the country. Embarrassing by UNLV. But I guess I'll see my, I'm, after all those bad calls, I'm going to say it was Troy, who I just needed to win for a Moneyline Parlay. I had this kid Hatcher rated terribly, and he picked apart Troy's defense. 25 of 35 for 440 yards and four touchdowns. Arkansas State put up 50 at Troy. That was an embarrassing call. That was my worst call.
1: Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret.
0: Bet regret was I didn't put it in the app, so it doesn't count. I'm not going to add it to the app after. But it, last week on the on the pod, I, our favorite overdog. So for my, our favorite favorite week, I said Oklahoma, and I, I just it slipped my mind. I thought I had it in the mat, on the uh, app. By the way, Georgia Tech only scored two points. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I would say that's probably my bet regret. I didn't end up betting Notre Dame live. Um, all week, I said, "Look, I just want single digits. I think Notre Dame is going to cover here. Um, I think their offense is significantly better, you know." And I have Virginia up at the half. I, I don't take Notre Dame second half. I didn't take them live, so that was that's probably my bet regret. All right, how about you? Uh, best call, worst call, bet regret?
1: Yeah, you've already mentioned the game. So I'm going to go ahead and start with my bet regret, which was the Temple Georgia Tech game. Uh, I came out on the openers and had Temple minus nine. Got a little uncomfortable with what I knew with the game plan was going to be a grind and lots of running. Uh, and so I bought off and took Georgia Tech plus nine. Then we had some write ups. We had a podcast, and I told everybody in the world that this was an under game, that 49 should come down. It should be 42. That number crashed down to 45. I still didn't take an under. Uh, Temple, you see the score is 24-2. to two. There was a defensive touchdown in this game. There was only two touchdowns. I mean, Temple really only scored offensively 17 points. Georgia Tech, their only points came out of safety. So, uh, you know, I don't regret at all the fact that uh, that I bought out of the number because nine was a little high, especially a game that finishes 24-2 with the defensive touchdown. Uh, but I regret the fact that I did not uh, lay into the under like I said I would. I would say my best call is maybe uh, Oregon State plus four and a half. I hit it for three units. My biggest my biggest play uh, in the app for a single game during the regular season this year, I was just that confident. The numbers said – everything in the numbers said that uh, they would be able to rush all over Stanford. Uh, this was before KJ Costello. I think I hit this game on Monday last week. Uh, I, as it, it was at five, and I tried to hit it and it moved to four and a half. Uh, so it was before the KJ Costello news. But it was really based upon the fact that Oregon State was going to go all out off of a bye and an orange out with a, with a capable rushing off offense. So I'd like to say that's my best call, uh, but they didn't pull it in. Arkansas first half plus 14, uh, no issues there whatsoever. They almost pulled off the money line. Worst call, I'm just going to get over that whole Uh, over-under with Clayton Toon coming in after De'Aaron King has decided to sit himself for the year. I'm going to say my worst call of the week was Nebraska. They got fucking steamrolled. They got smoked. I think everybody should know that the basis behind me telling, saying, you know, Nebraska plus 17, I'm on Nebraska 17. I've got it at 15, 17 looks good. Well, that was all based upon Havoc ratings, where Nebraska was third overall in Havoc, and they were number one in the nation in passes defense. Ohio State was actually number one in the Havoc rankings. I realized that. And what I didn't take into account is, and I said this all week in the podcast, I said, Adrian Martinez, were, I mean, the entire team for Nebraska, nine fumbles lost, two interceptions. And for some reason, that did not compute to me that the number one team in Havoc in and in the nation in Ohio State was just going to completely take advantage of that. They had caught an interception laying down. They have an INT That's laying I knew, down whatever. at the two yard line. It was just time to turn it off. If I was wearing a piece of corn on my head and I was at the game, I would have walked right on straight out. So, eight
0: changes. for 17. For 47 yards That's, with three picks and no so, touchdowns. That was Adrian Martinez's final stat line.
1: The word volatile, if you looked it up in the dictionary, the football dictionary, it'd be a picture of Nebraska Cornhusker football and Adrian Martinez. Changes for me, the Havoc piece is coming out this week. Uh, I think it's going to be out in tomorrow morning by the time you're listening to this. It's just not who are the best defenses in the nation with Havoc. It includes who are the best offenses in the nation at Havoc allowed with Iowa actually at the very top. Check that piece because you can cross-reference teams going up against each other. Uh, you want to back the offenses that have a really good Havoc allowed rate, and you want to back the defenses that have a great Havoc rate. Yeah, I mean, that Ohio State team, the funny thing is I, I tweeted this out on Saturday night. I said,
0: "I said, look, I'm playing this number, that's it, mm. because I make it close to two touchdowns and I can get over 17. I wouldn't play it under 17. I said, I don't expect this, you know, maybe we get a clunker that we've seen on the road, but I don't expect it here. And I started just gushing about how good this Ohio State team is, and then I'm looking back and I'm like, why the hell did I play? Um, Nebraska but this Ohio State team is real.
2: They're real and they're spectacular.
0: I mean their defense the CUDA they're they're, you know that entire secondary is so much better that team is dangerous they're probably going to be overinflated in the market now Um, they host Michigan State which I think I saw over 21 at some places I doubt I'll be able to get it during the week when limits go up but legit playoff team Ohio State fans, you you have a special team there.
1: I started off my uh, projections piece today, and I said there was two things on display on on Saturday. One national title contender is hungry. They have a chip on their shoulder. They're playing pissed off, and they're playing with an agenda. There's another national title contender that looks fat and happy and could care less. And that team that's pissed off and has a chip on their shoulder is Ohio State. And I think Ryan Day is uh, trying to make his own path with Urban Meyer gone. Justin Fields is just fantastic, Uh, probably going to be overvalued in the market, but at the same time, it could be deserved because we see it in the advanced stats. They should be meeting Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game, and they should be in the college football playoff. Justin Fields against Georgia would be a great semifinal. The other team is Clemson. What bothers me if they get that two-point conversion and I'm on the committee, I don't put Clemson in. They should be playing for the lives every weekend. Uh, What did Trevor Lawrence had 200 yards passing? Yeah. Against North Carolina? What the hell's going on with Clemson? I, I think they are a reflection of their coach. And what I mean by that is is Dabo came on, Dabo was interviewed the second the game was over. And if you looked at him, he didn't look like a coach that was upset pissed off or that he had just survived the game of his life. He was in some sort of like, thank you farewell tour for Mac Brown about how envious he was that he got to be on the same field as Mac Brown, how how he was outcoached and they were outplayed. And that's okay because the heart of a champion wins a game by one point. Are you kidding me? Your are, you defense- starting, are you starting Dabo to Alabama rumors? Listen, something's going on because they don't, they, don't, they, they don't look like they can. The, the offense could never get behind the North Carolina defense. I don't know if North Carolina was playing a Tampa 2. I don't know what was going on, the look they were giving Trevor Lawrence, but he always checked down and went out to the flats. He had to rush the ball. He's now up to, what, five rushing TDs? I'm not saying this about the defense because I don't think Venables has, has, a, has a slowdown. I don't think he shifts gears. I think he's always in fifth gear. The, the defense but, played well against Carolina. Yeah, the defense was great, and the reason that they won that game there at the very end. But the offense looks like they don't care. And Dabo in the post game interview doesn't look like he cares. I don't think he went to that locker room and gave anybody an ass chewing. This is not the same Clemson team from last year. They're not being told you're way behind Bama. You're an, you know, Bama could play an NFL team, and Bama should be favored by 14 over you. They don't hear that every day. They hear defending national champion, been there before. Clemson better change their attitude because they do not look good at all, and they do not look like they could win the national championship.
0: Do you want to have a? We should have an Action Network bonfire and bring our our. You know, our tickets, our futures, our win totals that have no chance. I'll bring my Michigan. (laughs) And do you want to bring your uh, Trevor Lawrence Heisman? Yeah,
1: that's that, that is that, not looking good, huh? That ticket's big enough to just do the bonfire itself. We don't need any additional tickets. We can just have a separate night for Trevor Lawrence Heisman. Uh, fifty to one is what I saw today. I think I saw fifty to one out there somewhere on Trevor Lawrence to maybe, maybe I'll just trophy. go get that just to troll you. So I have a fifty to one. I uh, think he can win the Dope Walker. They got spend, five rooms.
0: You spent all summer searching for what three to one, and I'll just go get fifty to one. Pick it up right now.
1: Yeah, let's. Yeah, we uh, we're we're not playing uh, full second quarters, and uh, we're not uh, passing downfield against North Carolina. This is exactly the uh, projected path that I thought of back in June, July, and August. Yeah, this is a North Carolina team that the week before in a close game allowed almost about
0: the same amount of passing yards um, as they did against Clemson. Trevor Lawrence actually threw for fewer yards than Wake Forest did. Um, all right, so let's go through. Let's just look at the top. Let's start with the top 25. Uh, Alabama with another bye week. They beat Ole Miss. Oh, my God. Who cares? And Alabama gets a much-needed bye for their sixth straight bye week next week. Then they go to Texas A&M. We can finally start talking about Alabama. Penn State obviously looked fantastic. So did Ohio State. We, You know, Arizona State beat Cal, lost their quarterback. A&M survives to avoid their third loss. Iowa rolls middle, Tennessee State. Who
2: cares?
0: Wisconsin looked ugly, but they got the win. Auburn.
2: Bo Nix season in full effect.
0: They rolled Mississippi State. Big game against Florida this week, which we'll talk about a lot this week. Oak State beats Kansas State. Ohio State rolled, which we talked about. Utah looked great. Held Washington State to 13 points. That secondary showed up. Michigan is back, people. <laughs> they said nobody. They beat Rutgers fifty-two to nothing. Rutgers now the coaching change uh, and just an absolutely sad Did, performance. Sickowski went
1: seventeen to twenty-four, pretty efficient for hundred yards. Did Chris Ash score any Big Ten points before his firing this year? I mean, how many times blanked by Iowa, blanked by Michigan? He didn't score any Big Ten points. You're out. And his Bad. offensive his offensive coordinator got the axe too. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. We'll, we'll talk about Rutgers maybe uh, coming
0: up. We mentioned Notre Dame winning, Michigan State escapes, Indiana. One day we'll get one of these upsets. Um, you know, Florida, UCF rolled, Oklahoma rolled, Washington, which was a good call by you uh, and and maybe we mentioned that they know how to shut down air raid offenses, which they mm-hmm. did. USC only ends up with fourteen points um, and a game that was you know maybe a little closer in the box score than the uh, final score indicated, but they picked off Fink three times now. A couple other scores that I wanted to just mention and talk about before we get into Thursday's box score frauds is, look, I tweeted this out in my recap of just going through the games. ULL, by the way, covers again. Shayworths came back. ULL is a covering machine. How did Liberty and New Mexico only combine for 27 points? Someone explain that to me. <laughs> um, speaking of real and spectacular, SMU is so good. That was one of my best calls, actually, we got to staying away from that spot. And I think in the past I would have just said, you know, Ten years ago, I, would have I, been like, I have to bet. I have to bet USF in this spot. SMU, I think, was up thirty-four nothing at the half. That team is real. South Florida's a dumpster fire.
1: That was the old trend where we said that uh, you know, in the group of five te- teams that are on back-to-back road travel, actually have the historical trend against teams that are coming off of a buy. Could be you know, keeping your receivers in sync, keeping your quarterback in sync. And I think every time we talk about SMU from here on out, we should have a drop of the who singing the seeker. Yeah, I mean, the robot, this SMU is so on fire. I mean, they're, they're just smoking people. And South Florida is terrible, god-awful. Charlie Strong's time is probably up. Kerwin Bell hired in from to State, uh, changed quarterbacks, uh, changed the scheme a little bit. It's not working. It's over. Uh, but SMU, yeah, uh, could be the best uh, group of five team, could be playing on New Year's Day. Yep. Yeah.
0: And now, box score frauds. All right, let's go into box score frauds. I already mentioned Maya of Ohio, who got Alkeen yeah. 400 to 265 and 134 One of my reasoning, I talked about this in the pod for the under in of Ohio Buffalo, is that neither team can pass. Buffalo's starting quarterback, four for 16, 59 yards, two picks. Maya of Ohio's starting quarterback, Gabbard. 8 of 17, 120 yards. Their starting quarterbacks were combined 12 of 33
1: for 179 yards. And the game fucking flew over. Go ahead. The ones that I noted was uh, Wake Forest and BC. BC ran 74 plays and had 508 yards. Wake had 87 plays for 440. Uh, the difference in this game, I mean, it was a close game, but the difference in this game was third downs. Wake went 17 for 24. BC went two of 12. Uh, so Wake is five and zero. Oh, and I mean, their schedule—if you look at this—Louisville, NC State, Virginia Tech, Duke, Syracuse, Clemson on November 16th. We're we gonna get Wake with double-digit wins this year. That would be insane. If Wake, if
0: Wake wins out, they go to the College Football Playoff. I'm, I'm
1: dead serious. Look, if we're gonna get Clemson credit for winning out we should give Wake right right but I, I don't know if I'm scared of Clemson anymore if they're going to have this half-ass attitude East Carolina uh they won they beat Old Dominion 24 to 21 but Old Dominion just to prove how terrible they are they needed 72 plays and they still didn't get to 300 yards compared to the 57 plays for ECU ECU had to uh block a punt early to score it for a touchdown to win this game uh you know ECU's three and two which is good for our you know three and a half total it got up to four and a half Uh, over the summer, so they're on a good path, but they're still not beating teams the way that they should. Uh, We talked about Stanford and Oregon State. UConn and Central Florida. Just when I thought I would turn around and I'd love me some Central Florida, which I did hit on the app today, you guys allowed 426 yards to UConn. I know all the points came in late, but you didn't cover the 43, and you allowed over 400 yards to UConn. That's terrible. Louisiana Tech and Rice. Rice won the total yards. Uh, They led 14 to 7.5. Uh, they kicked a field goal in overtime, but Louisiana Tech got the TD and won the game in overtime. So, Speaking of that conference, can we, we have to bring up UTEP. We're talking Minor
0: Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. Uh, we didn't get a call from our boy in Minor Nation because, and I'm surprised because UTEP actually covered. They lost <laughs> 31-13, but found a way to cover. I, I should have looked under. Yeah, I mean, Florida State, I would noted that they rolled. NC State on the final score, total yardage was 369 to 346, you know, maybe a little misleading. Hornibrook started for Florida State, that and not look great. The NC State team just nothing to write home about. Hornibrook was 29 of 40 for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. South Carolina rolling Kentucky, I mean, Sawyer Smith, 11 of 32 for 90 yards and a pick. You serious, mm-hmm. guy? Basketball season has already started, and Lexington went up BBN. By the way, Arizona holding on to beat UCLA is so Chip Kelly. You know, that line comes all the way down. Khalil Tate is out, and Arizona still wins. Dead even game, and Arizona had 450 yards. UCLA at 445, and Pac-12 after dark delivered again with a great game. But the most surprising score of the, of the weekend. We had Maryland not covered by over 50 points, which is shocking when that happens. You don't cover by 50 points. And it happened again. And this is actually, this should have been my bet. regret. Hawaii, Nevada. Mm-hmm. That Nevada team is a trash bin. It was fifty-four to three in in, <laughs> in Nevada. Fifty-four to three. Hawaii put up fifty-four points, and you don't hit the over sixty-two and a half against Nevada.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the great thing is, is now we get to uh, we we get to wait for Nevada to come off a bye next week, so we can slam San Jose State. Uh, Nevada team is bad. Um,
0: all right, so we're obviously going to get into the, the best part about Week Six. To me, is we have more intriguing. Top twenty-five matchups. Where we're going to find out a lot about these teams. We're going to start eliminating teams like Florida, Auburn. Pretty much an elimination game from a college football playoff perspective, right? If you're if you're an Auburn fan, keep winning. you're if you, as long as you keep winning, you're going to the college football playoff. Right. Florida, you say the same thing. A loss, it's going to make it tougher, especially with the schedule that Auburn has. I mean, you, you, we talk, we j- joke about Auburn, but let's give them fucking credit for their wins. They beat a good two lane team. They beat they won at a And M, and now. They, they beat Miss State, and they still have at Florida. They have um, at Arkansas. Uh, then they're at LSU. I mean, then they still have that, – that's, that's, that's hard. And then November, they have Alabama and Georgia.
2: Bo next season in full effect.
0: Now, the good thing is they host both of those teams. So that's the, the thing that you hope. I mean, I think they
1: have four home games in November. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And then a, a couple other, a couple other uh, games that we got this week. Wisconsin's going to probably route Kent State when they come off of a game against Northwestern where they didn't cover and uh, wearing brown pants. I don't know what that uniform combination was. <laughs> Please don't let me bet Kansas, by the way, against Oklahoma. Yeah, no more Kansas betting for you. Uh, Cal is going to Oregon. Oregon plays significantly better at home. Cal is going to be without Chase Garbers. I mean, they still have a great defense. That plays on the road. But offensively, Devin Monster was pretty terrible. So that's a really tough spot to back Cal, although I'm sure that Oregon number will climb this week. <laughs> You're going to bet UMass against Florida International off of a bye? I'll be betting Florida International. As long as UMass isn't playing accurate, I'll
0: be fading them. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, but there's some – UCF at Cincinnati is an interesting conference game. But Iowa-Michigan – if you're mm-hmm. Iowa, you keep winning. You went out, you got a shot at the college football playoff. Obviously, you'll have to beat Ohio State down the line. But you went at Michigan here, and, and you can put Michigan to bed, and maybe Harbaugh is
1: fired. If you're a Michigan hater, put your Iowa gear on. And I'm probably going to be betting, just to give everybody a warning, I'm probably going to be betting Iowa this week. And the reason is because Iowa is number one in the nation on offense and havoc allowed. That means they are, don't let people in the backfield. They haven't fumbled the ball. Stanley, I don't think, has thrown an interception yet this year. Michigan, bottom 10 in havoc on their defense. I mean Iowa should be able to do whatever they, I mean that it could be it could be a grind, it could be slow, but there there should be absolutely no reason for them to ever lose the ball or get tackled in the backfield because that's not what Michigan defense is doing, and Iowa's best in the nation at ball protection.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well have plenty of time to get those games. I'm actually looking forward to Ohio State, Michigan State too. With yeah. the love for I love Ohio State, gushing about them on this podcast last week, but this fine is too high now Michigan this is a Michigan this is a game that Michigan State thrives in and uh their run defense will obviously be there uh, I think the game will be closer than um this line is indicating but that's what we have later in the week for as we'll be writing about all week in our podcast later in the week but we for today's podcast before we finish up here let's talk about the two Thursday night games
1: why wait for the weekend strap in your fun belts
2: and get ready for maction it's midweek madness
0: Georgia Southern uh, opened up as a 13-point favorite, I believe. Now down to 11 at South Alabama. You know, the Georgia Southern team, I had someone in my mention say, you know, this team, the coach, there's questions about the coach. They might even – they don't even know who the quarterback's going to be. There was questions about should Wurtz have played. So I don't even know who the, who the quarterback is going to be. By the way, South Alabama okay, – K covered last game. They finally covered. I feel like that team never covers. <laughs> um, they covered as 14-and-a-half-point underdogs – They lost by 13 at Louisiana Monroe. I think you make this line Mm 14-ish, so maybe you see some value on Georgia Southern. It's going to come down to the South Alabama run defense. Uh, This is a game that is so
1: gross. Uh, What do you see here? Really tough. I know the number says that there's a little bit of value on Georgia Southern, but it is really tough to back a team that has only outgained Maine, somehow covered Minnesota with just – 123 yards rushing when running the triple is their is their mo. Uh, you know both teams are outside the top 100 in red zone points per points per attempt. Uh, they barely get anything uh, when they get into the red zone. Circa made the total today at 47. Now we haven't seen that replicated across all the other books. Uh, so Circa is the only one that's holding up a 47. I have that significantly lower. I think it should be under 40. Uh, so Georgia Southern's <laughs> they're averaging just 47 offensive plays a game. Going into October, they're averaging they only 47. They ran for 200.
0: They ran for 200 on 54 carries against Lafayette.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. Lafayette, who I love
0: and who ran wild again. Georgia Southern running for 3.8 yards per carry against Louisiana, who was 130th in stuff rate. That's worrisome. I mean, the Georgia Southern offensive line is a
1: mess. I'm getting killed on these weeknight unders, but I, I don't <laughs> – Georgia Southern's averaging 47 offensive plays a game, and their yards per play is – 124th of the nation at 4.47. I, I I don't see how I'm not playing an under. Sure, I will. What do you make it? Uh, I make this game 14.5 and the total about 37. Yeah, we should get higher than 37. Um,
0: yeah. But this game should be disgusting. So we'll have a write-up for it, unfortunately. We'll be, we'll be right up to Thursday games <laughs> and tell you more about this Georgia-Southern-South-Alabama game. And then we'll expect the voicemails because everyone would love these games. Other game on – there's two early night games on Thursday, Georgia-Southern-South-Alabama tips off at 7.30 Eastern down there in Mobile. And then we have Temple at East Carolina. That's at mm-hmm. 8 Eastern down there at uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville. These lines were about the same, this, but this line opened at 11 is now Temple minus 13. The Temple offensive line still has problems to me. What do you make this line? 12. So, yeah, so 12, right around where the line is. East Carolina, they're kind of your boys, but – they haven't really been impressing me Mm-mm. from when I've seen them. I had them against ODU, and I was—I never felt comfortable in that game. And it's a game I probably shouldn't have bet. But uh, are you going to be getting involved
1: here? I don't think so. The number is right spot on. Uh, East Carolina, they haven't won this game or covered this game since 1995. Uh, Temple has covered five straight. Uh, they've won five straight since 2014 in this series against each other. Listen, the offensive output from Temple was gross against Georgia Tech. And Georgia Tech isn't a fantastic defensive team. Uh, So it's going to be tough to back them. It's it's probably too many points on a weeknight game. But, you know, we'll see what happens. East Carolina has done nothing to impress whatsoever. Probably another under game. Who does Temple have on deck? Memphis. Yeah, I mean,
0: short week going down to ECU after that Georgia Tech game. I mean, it was a game that they wanted to win. Maybe Temple comes out a little flat. But these are two horrifying Thursday games. I – didn't have anything circled, but now that you bring it up, I think that we're going to get maybe some value on that Georgia Southern under. So I'll dig there. I'm sure you'll dig there when totals come out. We'll have right up for it on the action app and ActionNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Colin. Voicemails obviously are always open. Don't forget about Saturday nights too. We deserve criticism on Saturdays, just as much as we do during the week. Um, you know, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, you know, the drill. We'll have our fantasy podcast coming up next year. I'll be back on Wednesday with Chris Raybon, We'll be recording Wednesday for the NFL slate. That episode will come out on Thursday. And then Colin and I will record on Thursday night uh, for going over the entire Friday night and Saturday college football slate. And it's just much more appetizing than last week. We, I mean, there wasn't really that many great games where Twitter was alive and I'm looking forward to this week in college football. So it's time to get to work. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for joining me, Colin. Uh, we'll catch you all later in the week. Cheers. Peace out.